You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. Welcome to the business of cannabis and today we'll be speaking to more of the leading figures in the retail cannabis industry. I'm your host uh, David Skye and I'm joined by my co-host Matt Cook for a couple of the interviews. Uh, Matt and I will be speaking to Stuart Lutterman from Brothers Processing and Stuart will talk to us about payments uh, and with the difficulty in banking uh, payments remain a a significant challenge uh, for many retailers. Uh, next, I speak to Louis Antonakis, who's the owner and operator of Olympia Cannabis. And Louis will uh, take us through what it's like to grow quickly from one to seven dispensaries. And finally, uh, we speak to Jake Kuzarek, and he's with the Arcview Group. Arcview is a significant longtime player in the space, uh, uh, raising money, investing, brokerage, consulting. Uh, Jake will give us sort of a North American spec- uh, perspective on the uh, state of the industry. So let's get started. Welcome. We're here with uh, Stuart Luderman from Brothers Processing. Uh, Welcome, Stuart. Thank you. Glad to be here. So Stuart is with, uh, he's the uh, founder and CEO of Brothers Processing. Stuart, why don't you tell us a bit about Brothers Processing? Uh, well, first of all, Brothers Processing uh, just had its like 10-year anniversary. Um, and congratulations. It, yes, congratulations. Look at that. I didn't know. Thank you. Um, and it began when I worked at a big corporate company, in the industry, learn the industry, and realize why aren't I doing this for myself, um, and and so forth. So, um, Brother Processing was founded with my brother as well at the time, and hence our name, Brother Processing. But the name Brother Processing also came with our family-oriented sort of mentality type of thing with our clients. Um, and really what we strive for is we're not going to come in the door and say, oh, we have the best rates, we have the best fees, uh, which every other Harry, Dick and Tom focus on. Uh, what we focus on, especially in this, uh, you know, new niche that we have found is, you know, what's important is we find a solution that they don't have to look over their shoulder for. 
uh, and worry that an account's going to be shut down and so forth. Um, as that happens every day with you know Stripe, PayPal, Square, and you know all those third-party vendors and so forth. Uh, yeah, that's been a big problem in this industry. So maybe maybe yeah. uh, later you can expand on that. Yeah, well, we really try to educate our clients and consult with them. And that's what the discussions are about. They're not about pricing. They're about how to make sure that you have a solution to accept payments that has longevity, to you know, to say the most. So how did you end up in the cannabis industry? You said that, you know, you said, why am I not doing this for myself? Maybe walk us through that a little bit. Well, definitely uh, the getting into the cannabis industry is only about two and a half years now that I've been focusing on this niche. And honestly, the real story behind it is I had sold the house. I had made some money and I said, OK, I'm going to put this into um, some stocks. And then all of a sudden people started talking to me about the marijuana stocks. And that was, you know, pre-legalization. And so next thing you know, I'm doing a lot of research. I'm, uh, you know, investing into some of the big names like Canopy Growth and Aurora and Afria and um, and so forth. So um, once we're able to hear um, exactly that there's a niche here that sort of needs some attention because uh, of the stigma of the, uh, of the industry uh, in cannabis, and with most of the banks not wanting to deal with it, even if it is an illegal uh, setting type of thing. So, um, you know, we got into this because we saw that there was a need and that we were able to help people, but not just with payments. So the bigger picture, which you know I can talk about a little bit after, is helping these people in any way, shape or form we can whether that's finding them a marketer, whether that's liking a Google review, uh, whether it's liking their Facebook page, whatever it is that we can do to think outside of the box, to bring value to the table, is we're not here to just sign up these clients, thank you very much and never speak to you again. I've actually uh, are in touch with my clients uh, at least once a quarter type of thing. And the biggest and, and most rewarding part of this niche is A, the people really appreciate the, the service and the information. And I joke about it, but I've gotten so many gifts from different dispensaries and different CBD companies because they were just so happy that I was able to find them a solution to accept payments and they didn't have to look over their shoulder. Yeah, and uh, we hear that all the time as well. Uh, so that's great. So tell me what choices uh, do cannabis dispensaries have when it comes to accepting non-cash payments? Well, we're going to have to divide that up because we work on both sides of the border in Canada. That's fine. And yep. the U.S. Um, in Canada, anybody who is a licensed retail dispensary or an LP, they're able to go with your typical tier one type of bank, um, you know, like a Moneris or, a, you know, Elevon or uh, First Data. 
and they really won't have much issues except they get um they get you know stemmed out for a 500 high risk fee um and the underwriting process just takes a little bit longer but as long as they have their license and everything's in order then most of the major banks will go near them but there's definitely uh, a few i believe td is one i believe desjardins is another uh that even though it's fully legal and everything like that they don't want to go near the business because of the stigma of the industry which they obviously think that will affect their current clients um so that being said in canada uh we're able to help anybody with that um and they do have more choices and then we work also with uh dispensaries that are in the first nations and that's really been a big market for us um and i guess you can call it the gray area but really in the reserves they have their own rules and their own laws and so forth and they don't have people knocking on their doors so we have an interact solution in canada uh which we have the ability to place give these services to these dispensaries in the reserves as long as they have a legitimate business uh and a legitimate bank account um so that's proven to help uh, a lot of these dispensaries a to get rid of their issue of cash and b the cherry on top is now all of a sudden people are spending more money because they're not just counting on the cash they have in their pocket or the cash they get out of an atm and you know uh once they have their debit card oh you know what you know i have that money in my account so i'll spend a little bit more so we've definitely noticed this is an average i mean we've seen it as high as 300% throughout covid but the average of people who start using our interact solution sales increased by 25% um but i'll give you just a quick example of a year ago a dispensary uh chain uh in bc went from two locations in the past year to nine locations so you know the growth is there uh and you know the the need for the payments is there especially when you know you just can't deal with visa and mastercard and the big plus about all this is even in regular uh retail license uh that can get a regular merchant account with visa and mastercard 85% of their volume as we've studied their statements and and see what type of cards are using is interact and one of the main reasons for that is confidentiality to the transaction and people you know might not want if they share a credit card a husband and wife to see uh, oh they bought $300 of marijuana and then they see it on the credit card and so forth where with an interact transaction it doesn't appear like that um and the last thing I'll mention to that it's uh, the American government when we did go legal instilled the fear into Canadians that you know if they feel that they're coming into the United States with marijuana or with the intention to sell or anything like that they have the ability to subpoena their credit card statements but not their bank statements Now I don't know what that was that was over 2 years ago that that was done but like I said meanwhile interact seems to be that seemed to uh you know the payment of choice obviously you go into a clothing store 
And it's going to be the complete opposite. They're going to have 80 or 85% Visa and MasterCard and maybe, you know, 15 or 20% um, Interact. And uh, in Canada as well, when it comes to CBD merchants or cannabis related merchants, whether that be paraphernalia, uh, you know, the bongs or any of that type of stuff, we work with the only bank in Canada that will board that type of stuff online. And it's been a great solution. Obviously, we're not the only one that works with that bank, um, but we've been working with them for about two and a half years. We were one of the first uh, ISOs or resellers for that bank. And today, the, the, you know, the plus is I know what these underwriters are looking for when we're submitting applications. So we do get a lot of inquiries of people, like I said, who have been shut down by Shopify, PayPal or Square, and they didn't know any better. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, we get them an account and they're able to process and their business is saved. They, they have an online company that you need to accept credit cards. So um, we're able to do it in most situations uh, and so forth. And in the, uh, I'll skip very quickly right to the United States um, for dispensaries who are licensed. We don't have any real solution for anybody in First Nations in the US right now. But we work with the you know, licensed dispensaries across the United States. And right now we work with a solution which is called a cashless ATM. And it basically works like an ATM. And, but instead of the money being withdrawn from a machine, the debit card that's being used for the, the transaction, the money's actually through a terminal going into the merchant's bank account. So we're, we're helping them with the cash issue. They do not pay anything for that transaction. It acts like an ATM transaction. So the client uh, is the one that pays that $3 surcharge, for example. Um, but of course, there are choices in those situations where the I've had merchants say, well, can I pay a dollar of that $3? Because I don't want my client to spend three. I only want them to spend two. Um, or some merchants are, well, can we charge $4 and can I make a dollar? So we've seen both sides of it. Um, and it's the same thing in the U.S., except in the U.S., we work with about five or six different banks that focus on cannabis uh, uh, related. And then there's three banks that uh, focus on CBD. So um, that's where we uh, stand as far as the choices they have. And they're only gonna become more and more, but I can tell you a year ago, I didn't, we didn't have all these choices and things weren't as smooth mm. and people were just driving themselves nuts. And yeah. That's it. Yeah, and we're, we, we're, we're hearing the same thing. Um, so thanks for that. So tell me, Stuart, what are your plans for the future um, as it relates to Brothers Processing? Um, you know, we, we uh, took on, I took on a, a new venture recently where I took on some partners who, who have been in the industry as well for a while. But when they heard the niche that I was focusing on, like, hmm, we seem to know a lot of people and seem to have contacts. And we basically teamed up with the venture of focusing on this cannabis industry. And today, I mean, if you Google, you know, Canada credit card, processing for cannabis, 
you know, we have a very good presence on Google right away. So we're trying to create a footprint in the cannabis industry on both sides of the border. And we're starting now. Um, and I believe it's still the beginning and it's still fresh for everything. Um, and in five years, you know, we want to be that company that has anything to do with cannabis merchants or dispensaries or CBD or the paraphernalia, whatever it is, or the vape or all that stuff that we're the company to come see because maybe at that point, yes, we'll, we'll, we will, we won't treat uh, startups different than we do someone doing, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month. And uh, that we will bring a lot of other added values to the table, which we can definitely talk about next time, but we don't want to just be, uh, someone who provides payments for these businesses. We want to provide other tools and so solutions and little things like I was talking about, you know, doing a Google review uh, or liking a Facebook page. Um, we want to do all these things to help these merchants because at the end of the day, um, you know, our motto is, and it's really not, not to sound corny, but their success is my success. So obviously we have our best interest in mind to make sure that our clients are happy. And if they run into any challenges that we have solutions for them as well. Yeah. And, and I, I, I concur with that. And I think that's why we're here is we're here to elevate um, the knowledge of everyone in the industry and, and hopefully make everything uh, easier for people to operate uh, in this ever changing um, and very, um, you know, interesting um, business uh, as it stands right now. Uh, Stuart uh, from uh, uh, from Brothers Processing, thank you so much for being on the show today, and really appreciate your time. And hopefully, we'll we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. It was a pleasure to uh, get a chance to talk about this type of stuff um because we just have to keep helping each other and we're all fighting the same battle so thanks Stuart. Stuart thanks. ludeman from brothers processing thanks very much the business of cannabis is brought to you by cash tech currency products north america's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Welcome back. This is the business of cannabis, and we're pretty excited to have our next guest. This is Louis Antonakis. He is the owner and operator of Olympia Cannabis, which is a chain of, uh, will be a chain of up to seven locations over the next little while. Louis has a, a fascinating background, uh, restaurant business, real estate, nightclub owner, and a mayor of uh, Carlton Place, which, uh, which was the uh, which is in Ontario, Canada. Um, 
And Louis' background brings it, I, I believe, a, a unique understanding of the challenges facing dispensary owners, and that's why we're grateful he's made the time to speak to us. Welcome, Louis. Dave, it's a pleasure to be on the show and always good to talk to you. Well, let's just jump right into that because it is an interesting story. Uh, give, give me the background to the Olympia story and how, how you got involved uh, in, in this space. Right. Well, um, my family have uh, been involved in the service industry um, for over 50 years. They started my mom and dad uh, and uh, they immigrated uh, to Canada from uh, Europe, uh, Greece particularly. And uh, they settled in a beautiful small town in Carlton Place, had a very successful restaurant called the Olympia Restaurant. And over a series of uh, events, it was sold and, and uh, afterwards remained vacant. Um, I was uh, involved in my community as an elected official. I served 12 years and uh, I saw our communities across Ontario really having some difficulty uh, keeping up with the box stores and just redevelopment in general um, across the landscape. So through my work as an elected official um, and being aware that the feds were coming in with the legalization of cannabis, I realized that there was an opportunity, an opportunity for both um, people like myself who are entrepreneurial and who like new things, new challenges, and also for um, the country, uh, generally speaking, um, something that's new, uh, hadn't been, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not like we had uh, a series of uh, restaurants. It's, it's something that was brand new to our, to our country, uh, one of the first in the world, actually. So I saw that opportunity and I decided to, um, to enter it and uh, locate the, our first location in downtown Carlton Place. It's a community of around 12,000 people. We were the first uh, legal cannabis store in, in uh, Lanark County. And we are today uh, getting ready to uh, go through our final inspection of our second location in a small community uh, in, uh, just outside of uh, um, near the 401 in Tweed. So that's interesting. Yeah. So for those the, for those of people story. listening who uh, who aren't uh, this this is in Canada. This is just a, sort of a community a couple few hours outside of Toronto. So Correct. it's a small. These are small towns. Is that your growth strategy to focus on maybe smaller uh, geographic locations, or, or are there plans to maybe go into a larger urban setting? We, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Our our rollout is um, obviously started in Carlton Place. It's my hometown. I know it well. And we are branching out from there. Carlton Place is the epicenter of our operation. We do have uh, seven in the queue right now. One of them is located in downtown Ottawa. And uh, yes, uh, primarily we are focused, focused on small town Ontario population from 20,000 down to two to 3,000 people. Um, so that's that's where we stand now. As you know, as we expand and 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 look towards the future, I think uh, some of the bigger cities could be in play. But there are some very specific challenges right now in the larger centers. You're seeing that in big cities like Toronto, Young Street, Bloor Street, uh, fairly high concentration of stores, and I think I think it's going to be a, a significant challenge for some of the existing operators. Hmm. Uh, so let's let's here. ask about like. You started with one, the one place in Carl, the one location in Carl's place. What was the biggest challenge you faced opening that? And then jump to me. Okay, now what was the biggest challenge opening a second one? 
right or, 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 or is there a difference yeah they're 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 somewhat similar um obviously capital is a significant challenge we're we're seeing that the uh the big banks uh the chartered banks are not uh allowing cannabis to be part of their financing uh, portfolio that's um, terrible there's only one that i'm aware of which is which is the bank of montreal and it's a very uh, expensive fee non-refundable fee just to get in uh there's another bank that many of the stores are using. It's called um, Alterna Bank. They're a little bit more lenient and accepting of cannabis, but that is a big one right there. If you can't self-finance or find the investors that'll take that gamble and take that risk, it is an uphill battle. Uh, hmm. Once you've secured the financing, there's a series of other regulatory hurdles that you have to go to. You've got to uh, first get approved to sell cannabis that's an individual thing and once you go through that process it took me a year from start to finish and the second phase of that year was getting your location licensed they call that an rsa and that's was around six months now it's shortened down to about two to three months if you got all your all your ducks in order as they say but uh you know it it, it encompasses everything dave from the financing from finding the right location negotiating your lease hiring your staff, having a management team, ordering product from the Ontario Cannabis Store, it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a challenge. Are you sure, you, sure you want to do this? <laughs> well, what are you doing? It's certainly, not, it's certainly not for everyone. There's no question about it. Right. But um, for me, I like dealing with people. Uh, as I said at the onset of the show, I've always um, been involved with the service industry um, those are the people that are my friends, they're my social network, and uh, I just I just love solving problems, and and doing so sometimes helping helping people, and uh, I find this this industry is about solving problems, and uh, that's that's the challenge that I like. I like solving problems and taking care of people who um who need who need help, and for me that's 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 why I do it. It's a uh, it's in, well cannabis is fascinating because it's. It's an industry that grow that sort of grew up overnight because of legalization. So I can't think of, since prohibition, I can't think of another industry where it, it didn't exist and now it does exist. I mean, it existed yeah. on the illicit market, obviously. Uh, yeah. But also the potential. Uh, there aren't too many industries where you go, what's going to this? What's going to happen in the future? Um, you've alluded to some of the some of the challenges. But yet you're expanding. So, what is it about the industry that you're hopeful for? Let's let you know. Turn it to the positive. What What do you see happening over the next five years that would justify this kind of investment and effort? The feds had to um, to to roll this out in a way that was, um, you know, they had to be careful about this because it this was is the new. Canadian government, by the way, for that exactly, for those, exactly, for those. and and to the province to some extent as well. Um, they had to be careful. It was new to them, and they wanted to make sure that uh, it was done in a safe, efficient, and um, and in a way that you know protects the industry in the long term. Uh, there was some 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 deviations from the beginning where they had the lottery system, and then they opened it up. So I guess what I'm hopeful for, Dave, is that the the federal government working together with the provincial government starts to expand um, the product offerings and. Uh, allow us as entrepreneurs to to uh, to take this where it can go. 
and uh, you know, I see cannabis, cannabis products, um, you know, whether that's whether that's topical creams or you're seeing the edibles uh, come into play now. People are getting quite, uh, uh, you know, supporting the edibles, the drinks. So it's, it's rolling out slowly. The province is doing the best they can along with the federal government, but we, we'd like to see it speed up a little bit and ease up mm-hmm. on some of the regulatory hurdles, put some legislation in place where so our chartered banks have to, have to allow us to, to borrow capital. Uh, you know, w- without those kinds of, um, uh, uh, you know, in, intervention. Yeah, without without or, the or, capital support, it is an uphill battle for in any yeah. business. I mean, at the end of the day, cannabis is a business. Uh, it it's is. unique, but it's no different than you, you know, a, a restaurant. You have costs, expenses. You have and it's plans, legal. You know, Dave, it's, it's legal. legal. <laughs> yeah. It is so, a funny, it's a funny thing. Um, yeah. The reticence around the financial institution, but you know, let me let me jump on something you just uh, mentioned on the on the product side. Uh, from even the short you know time you've been in business, is it getting? Do you find it getting better? Do you find uh, the the choice and quality um, sort of leveled off? Uh, do you do you see opportunity for growth there? What's happening there? Because at the end of the day, I mean that's why people are coming. The 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 variety and the of the product you're offering and the choices. Yeah, they're, uh, they're definitely uh, moving in the right direction. As I said, they started with the uh, flour, the oils, the CBDs, uh, topicals. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's really the, the LP world, the licensed producers. Those, those are the, the groups that are gonna drive that, the research, the development, the investment in that industry as retailers all we can do, at least in Ontario, is hope that the, the OCS, the province, um, is encouraging the licensed producers to develop and bring these items to market so that we can buy them and bring them into our stores and offer them to our patrons, our customers. So uh, there has been some movement. Uh, you're seeing now some product uh, being developed um, for, for our pets. For dogs. Wow. For, yes, um, I've read that. Yeah. Right. So these Some lucky are the dogs. Uh... <laughs> it, it's, we all need a little bit of help. Yeah. <laughs> Some very spoiled dogs are about to uh, get a good Christmas, maybe. <laughs> you get a dog bone and you get a little, yeah. bit of, uh, oh. little bit of oil to go with that. Yeah. But uh, in all seriousness, though, this is a very serious item for a lot of pet owners where you're seeing their pets are developing anxiety and, you know, just, just not, oh, totally. not, yeah. yeah. So, you know, those kinds of things I think are going to, are, that's, what's going to drive our industry is, is everyone working together and bringing new, exciting uh, products to market, be it health or recreation. Uh, that's, what's going to drive mm. our business and power the economy, quite frankly, because right now these are difficult times for any business. You've seen the, the restaurant industry decimated through this uh, crisis, the pandemic. So, you know, those are the right. new jobs. That's that's what's going to power us out of this this um, these unprecedented times that we're living in. Let's talk a bit a bit of your clientele. It, it, would you say is CBD uh, has that been a, a useful product for you? Is it more of the medicinal kind of side of things? Is it more of the THC rec, rec side? Is it all of the above? What what has been your experience? It's all of the above. I oh, I mean, okay. I was I, I was a little bit reticent about you know what 
kind of um, business model we would have. There weren't that many in the province to to do some um, to do research on. So we really went into it not knowing. Um, obviously, we're on the rec side, uh, but we're seeing people come in um, using everything. And the average age as well has surprised me. I thought you know, that we'd be having 10, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds coming into our store. And, and in fact, it's the opposite. Sure, we've got uh, our youth, uh, you know, 19, 20, 20 and up. But a lot of our clientele are, um, I hate to say it, Dave, but they're, they're our age. They're in the 50s. So young and, and vigorous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, it's quite interesting seeing a store full of um, basically your community. You're, I mean, everyone's there. Our seniors are there. Uh, the boomers are there. The middle age, every, everyone is in the store. And they're all coming in for different reasons. So it's, 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 it's actually a nice, nice uh, surprise, um, you know, as a new retailer to be, uh, to be, to be opening a business that can serve uh, your entire community, not, not just, you know, some of the stigma that's attached to cannabis and cannabis products. Well, it's, it's pretty inspiring. It's pretty cool to hear, a, 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 say, a, a small businessman entrepreneur that's growing and, you know, start with one store, seven I don't, you know, what other industries are op- offering those kind of opportunities? I can't really think of one. Um, try opening seven restaurants uh, yeah. and see how that goes. It's tough. Um, yeah. And yet you're, you're doing it. Uh, so that's amazing. Let me ask you one last question as we, as always, seem to running, running out of time just to so get going. Um, what is the most, what was the most surprising thing of your journey so far? If you look back and went, wow, I did not expect that. Uh, what, what would that be? I, I think the most surprising would be the um, diversity in our clientele. I think that 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 shocked me more than okay. anything. Yeah, we co- kind of covered it already. Um, and also marketing, uh, is that a marketing challenge then? Like that means you have to try to sell to a whole diverse group of people. It's not like I can make my store uh, suitable for just young people, or I can make it yeah. for like that means you have to appeal to a lot of different people from a different places yeah. in life. Yeah. The Stages education, life. yeah, yeah, for sure. The education component is uh, a huge, and there is an appetite for that. I, you know, we're finding our clients are coming in saying, "Hey, you know, can you tell me about this?" Or I've read about this, and um, so that's 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 a big part of it. And thankfully, we have the internet. Um, so that, you know, people can, can a find you, which is always important. Um, and with the various social media platforms, you know, people know very quickly you're in town and you've opened. So that, 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 that's kind of covered, um, from, from letting your community know, um, the education side, uh, you know, we take a lot of pride in customer service and making sure that we're giving, um, you know, the information, that our customers need to make informed decisions. Um, so, so yeah, Louis, let me uh, jump in here. We're, we're a little out of time, but that uh, I think it's a great story for uh, an inspiration for, you know, smaller chains, great opportunity. And it's interesting. You focused on this smaller town model uh, as an opportunity there. And, and although, you know, so if you're in Carlton place, drop by to Olympia cannabis or soon to be, Tweed. Uh, in, in Tweed, and then you mentioned Ottawa potentially, and 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 in seven locations across uh, Ontario. Um, that was a pleasure, Dave. 
Thank you very much. This is great and uh, good luck. And, uh, and we'll have to check back in with you uh, in a little bit and see how you're doing. Good luck to you as well, Dave. Thanks very take much care. for the opportunity Bye-bye. and uh, take care. Bye-bye now. Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So welcome back to the show. We are excited about our next guest, Jake Kuzarek from ArcView Group. And um, Jake is VP of Business Development and Managing Director of the uh, Management Consulting side. So those are titles that kind of hint at his deep experience. Um, He did take his time getting into the industry, clothing, music streaming, blockchain, I've got entertainment, and the most interesting thing of all, starting a league for giant fighting robots. I'm not sure we're not going to just talk about that. But eventually, I want, Jake... I want to spend a whole show <laughs> yeah. just on that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an hour special. Uh, but eventually migrates into cannabis, which is cool, uh, with ArcView Group, which is a leading investor consulting group. And it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Hey, appreciate you having me on uh, on Hayes Radio and, and really happy that you uh, you started this up. This is going to be fun. So uh, why don't we just start in, in a general sense? What is the ArcView Group? You guys do so much. Give us an overview, 50,000 feet, and then we'll dive down. And... 50,000 feet is always hard. We do a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, we've been around for uh, now over 10 years, known as the, you know, primarily uh, over the years as the largest and oldest cannabis investor network. So everybody from Ease to Meadow to Tokyo Smoke raised their initial capital through us you know, well north of 300 plus million deployed into 200 plus companies. You know, we bring together the investor network together with companies seeking capital, usually at four events throughout the year. And along the way, we started publishing the industry leading research. Now, everything changed about two years ago when we were acquired by Entourage Effect Capital. We got our fund up and running. That's ArcView Ventures, our FINRA SEC approved broker dealer up and running. That's ArcView Capital. And of course, I spearheaded the launch of ArcView Management Consulting. Uh, which is our consultancy that helps everybody from early stage companies uh, to large, you know, enterprises, um, you know, navigate the cannabis ecosystem. Everything from building SOPs for dispensaries to allow them to expand to, you know, to new markets, doing some due diligence, license procurement, valuation work, full go-to-market strategies. Uh, needless to say, that takes up a lot of my day to day. And of course, ArcView being so heavily tied to content. Uh, is still pumping out weekly webinars, um, everything from you know our ArcView accesses, which are on a general topic, topic uh, to more kind of state or region specific uh, type of content as well. We also have our Women's Inclusion Network. We also have an accelerator uh, that I'm managing director of in conjunction with Founder Institute um, for primarily cannabis companies. Um, but yeah, let me let me pause there. That's, that's okay. Enough. I was going to say enough. It's. <laughs> cool. um, 
Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a, an amazing company. That's why it, we're, we're happy you came on. Let's focus a little bit first on the consulting aspect of it. I'm a dispensary. I'm a chain. What's interesting about this industry is no one isn't planning on growing. That's not right. true of a lot of industries. That might, I, I mean, know that's not going to be true. Not everyone's going to grow and be successful, but everyone's planning on it now. What are you seeing that people are doing really well? And you go, wow, that, that, yeah, I'm seeing that. I'm, and then what are, what are some mistakes, some things that are, people are tripping up on? Great. That's a great question. I'd say in a uh, COVID or post-COVID world, uh, depending on how you Let's assume at, a post-COVID world because oh, COVID was not, no one, no one had COVID in their business plan. And yeah. fair enough. I'll tell you, many Post-COVID and normal. Uh, yeah. Many of these consumers obviously, uh, you know, are trying to limit human, human interaction. Um, of course, being able to also limit, you know, cash, you know, cash is, is seen as dirty and, and carrying, you know, potential particles there that could, uh, could make you sick. Uh, so switching to cashless, cashless solutions has been big. You know, the companies like uh, Kaliba. So Kaliba is a great example of when COVID hit, uh, they opened up curbside delivery. That led, I think that led to a 600x increase in net new members of their collective. Um, and for those who don't know, they're a large vertically integrated uh, operator in, in, you know, in, in California. You know, Jay-Z's monogram brand and stuff is, is kind of in conjunction with them. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, they were smart for getting on the curbside and, and delivery pickup quickly. I mean, adding you know, 600x yeah. Yeah. their That's members amazing. is is nothing to be sneezed at. You know, and I'll tell you, you know, the other side of this that we're seeing is just being able to get, um, you know, get a location set up in an emerging territory. You know, it's it's the battles are still being fought at the local level in some of these municipalities where some, you know, case in point, towns like Fresno, you know, and here in California that, you know, they're told one week they have the green light and, and you should snap up a building and get ready to uh, to open it. And then they're told, well, maybe hold on to it and we'll let you know next January what we want you to do. So there's a lot of this push-pull dealing with the- That's on the crazy. Side. Yeah, that's that's the company I mentor for uh, has been going through that exact experience. But um, it's just, you know, hearing the mixed messaging and, you know, unfortunately, trying to, you know, make sure your, your existing retail location is successful, yet still starting to think about those those next moves. Um, and the biggest thing thing we see is really turning over the keys and, and letting else somebody letting somebody else run the operation. Uh, that seems to be you know one of the hardest areas here is you know whoever started it often kind of wants to retain full control, make sure that they still have an eye on, on anything that might go awry. So is HR a huge huge problem? Like getting people, training them, skilled people. I mean, like you know, I know it's and that's COVID related. Oh yeah, I can't imagine that's not exacerbated in the cannabis space. You know, and and that does kind of harken back to what I was saying about um, you know, in, in kind of emerging territories and how they struggle with personnel. Uh, case in point, you know, we have a client uh, from our consultancy that's that's in, in Oklahoma, and you know, their biggest pain point is they cannot find quality retail workers they can have to to stay around, especially those who are vertically integrated, those who are doing cultivation, finding people with real cultivation experience that want to stay in that area, even if it's a little bit more remote, uh, is a big challenge. So always retaining talent 
uh, attracting experienced seasoned talent, not just cannabis enthusiasts, but those who actually understand the endocannabinoid system and, you know, and terpenes. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, that, that's a, certainly a big part of it. But on the HR side, fortunately, there is some, you know, some quality training out there put out by everybody from Oaksterdam to Greenflower Media. I mean, we're just scratching the surface with regards to making sure that anybody, regardless of their role at a, a retail location, knows what they should be doing in their day-to-day. No, yes, and, and I can I can see, I'm, one day I see people going to university. There, there'll be programs, there'll, this is, there'll be careers. Maybe we're not, we're not there yet. Oh, there, there. It's definitely careers. Oh, no, no, we're there. We're yeah. definitely there, yeah. Maybe yeah. in California, that's okay. I stand corrected. So, uh, yeah. take us a bit about let's let's uh, move on. Like the investing environment, what's that like yes. right now? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say, and you'll hear this from pretty much anybody you talk to that's on the uh, the side of the table. But we really are in the age of M and A right now. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty insane. Um, you know, watching what's the the activity in the last year. You know, even last six months. Um, where the big want to grow bigger and they have shareholders and they have stakeholders that need to see, you know, need to see expansion, need to see movement. So it is a little bit of an arms race right now with, you know, everything from vertically integrated, um, you know, retailers and, and brands out there trying to snap up and vertically integrate as much as their shelf space as possible and own these brands that they're actually working with. You know, it's acquiring other, you know, dispensary locations. So, you know, it's not enough to just own San Francisco, but, you know, you want to own the East Bay and you want to own the South Bay. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of an arms race. So, and it's not just the, uh, the large MSOs and the biggest players at the table that are doing this. You know, I see a lot of very small Canadian publics with very small caps, um, you know, coming down here and, and trying to acquire, you know, as, as many brands as they possibly can. Sometimes all stock deals, sometimes a mix of stock and cash, um, but it's it's a completely different environment. I mean, I see companies that have done maybe 10,000 a month in sales. I've seen one company that's wow. only sold 1,400 products to date and they're getting acquisition <laughs> offers because they have a great story. Uh, so the story means a lot. Having the brand means a lot. I even, you know, have heard through the grape grapevine. Uh, one of these these operators is pursuing an acquisition just to give his team something different to work on, something that they that gets them excited again. A company that's aligned with their values. So that's that's what you're seeing on the front lines. Um, certainly, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of smaller private investor dollars continuing to flow, uh, while most of them were on pause during 2020 to see how things really really shook out. Um, a lot of investors were burned and coming out of 2018, 2019, uh, investing in projects that were talking a big game with their, <laughs> with what they thought they could return, uh, but ultimately really failed to produce the yields, um, you know, if it was on the, the cultivation side that they were shooting for, uh, or, you know, just get the, the sales traction that they were hoping for as a brand. Um, so, yeah, I guess after an age of companies making very, very big claims about what they thought they could be doing from a revenue perspective, we saw a real pullback, had investors a little bit more sitting on their hands. Um, but now we've really start to see that, that, that come to an end. Um, and certainly, you know, as, as mentioned, those with a good story or good traction or who are being innovative uh, are starting to get the looks from investors or potential acquirers. What would you say, because you, you kind of finish with, okay, if you want it to be acquired, what do you need to do? That was part of your business plan. So what does, 
flesh that out a bit. What is it? You're, you're, you're building a dispensary, you have a nice business. What do you need to do over the next 12 months, 18 months to even be a candidate for acquisition? You said yeah. be innovative. What does that mean in real well, term? You know, it's, it's ultimately, uh, it's, it's, you know, the bar has been, uh, has been lowered, you know, I think as you, you know, we, I talked to, I don't want to name any names, but you know, some of these very large chains of dispensaries and they are hungry. They are saying, I don't care if the dispensary is doing, you know, 150 a month, 200 a month. I mean, certainly something that's, that's on the low end and even very rural communities, um, they, they see that as another number and a new territory that they can truly own as the big players in, in that respective town. Um, so I'll tell you, you know, it, being innovative is certainly part of it, but being well networked is really coming to be, uh, okay. coming to be a little bit even more valuable. Um, you know, it's, it's just about getting out there and making them aware of, of what you have available. Um, you know, there is strength in numbers. If you, you're able to tie in with another and, you know, acquire and, and make your own empire a little bit larger, that's only going to make you more attractive to one of the biggest players, you know, the Carolees of the world to come in and acquire you. Um, of course, you know, as mentioned, you know, the vertical integration goes a long way. Um, if you have products on your shelves that are unique to your retailer, you know, your own internal products, uh, we do see that go that goes a long way uh, as many of these acquirers are motivated by more brands. Um, so I'll tell you, if you're, you don't have delivery, you don't have curbside, um, you know, but you live in an area where this is permitted, uh, it's time to start thinking about it. Um, and of course, you know, it's, it's time to also just get out there and, and get creative with regards to, um, you know, uh, you know, I'd say kind of uncovering new territory and, and, and being innovative and, the way I see that is often through social equity initiatives. I mean, I've even seen, you know, municipalities that want to spin up their own community run dispensaries to benefit the local community and get the local community back to work. I mean, this is the age that we're in now. So. So just to follow up on that, Jake, it, you know, I've also spoken with a number of uh, dispensary owners that are concerned about, um, you know, oversaturation in certain markets. Can you speak to that? Yeah, of course. And, and, you know, certainly I'm, I'm somebody who lives down here in Los Angeles and, you know, it's, it's very oversaturated yeah. <laughs> with regards to retail. Uh, but the problem is you don't know which dispensaries are, are legitimate and which ones aren't, you know, we're plagued with a, an environment, in which, yeah, in which it's, it's pretty night and day between some of these more, uh, gray market operators and, uh, and, and what kind of products they are, are putting on their shelves. Um, versus going into a, um, you know, a, a Stizzy or a Lemonade or the Artistry. I mean, there are some beautiful dispensaries down here that, of course, are blending art and consumption mm -hmm. and food. And I mean, it's it's just a, a different ballgame down here. So I would say oversaturation, um, you know, is, is something that is a real concern. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, by adding things like a, a consumption lounge, um, you know, adding stuff that, that gets uh, repeat customers. I mean, that's how you can stay increasingly more relevant, um, you know, instead of just being another that may be legit, maybe it's not, but, you know, yeah. you don't really have strong points of differentiation. No, that's great. So um, this is basically one last question. We don't have a ton of time left, but uh, you mentioned the events and all the education stuff you do. Take us through a bit of what events you have coming up. People want to get involved, like you said, network, learn what events there are you um, hosting over the next little while that people might be interested in. 
Sure. No, like like everybody else, we're starting to get close to getting back to in-person events. Uh, we are co, uh, I think we're just sponsoring an event out in the Hamptons coming up in about a month's time. Uh, starting, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's looking uh, like a pretty fancy event, uh, expecting, I think, about, you know, 500 or so people, which is pretty consistent with what they did uh, right before the pandemic with their previous uh, iteration. Um, but if you're interested in going out to the Hamptons, it seems like there's actually almost a week worth of different kinds of content, um, everything from smaller happy hours that we're putting on. This is all kind of coming up a month from today. Um, so out here in California, we'll be doing some VIP dinners, um, some infused dinners. We'll be doing um, some more kind of networking and happy hour events. There's an HR conference we might be putting on with one of our strategic alliance partners in Colorado. Um, but I'll tell you, the way to find out about all this, both physical and digital events, is going to be arcviewaccess.com. Uh, you can also take a look at all of our replays of all of our past digital content. Um, but if, if we're announcing anything, you can take a look at the full calendar there uh, and see what we have coming up. But like everybody I'll else, take you, you just made my job you just made my yeah. job easier, so I didn't have to read the website. So yeah. thank you. Oh yeah, I just had a note. Make sure you mention the website. So we did. Um, anyway, uh, Jake, thank you very much. That that's a lot of great. It's very interesting. It's such a fascinating industry. It's unlike any other industry. You, you can't just open the dispensary. Like you, it's the bigger picture as well. But it's also the little picture. It's also little things like curbside, like innovating, like taking care of your staff, like hiring good people, educating. So caring and uh, caring inclusively, you know, right, that's a huge right. part of it. You want you want a dispensary staff that actually mimics the same, you know, the kind of the same values, cultural diversity, and everything that your customers have as well. You want to make sure they feel comfortable. Um, so it's it's if you're are operating a dispensary, I challenge you, you know, put people to work uh, and put people to work that might not necessarily have had the opportunity uh, to get into this industry before now. That's a great way to end it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jake. Um, Thanks, Jake. For coming on. And we're definitely going to have you back. That was that was a lot. To, uh, we have about three or four more shows of stuff to talk about. Well, there's nothing I, uh, <laughs> I love talking about more than the business. Of and then the giant robots. We didn't even touch on that. And I can't believe it. So yeah. I, we'll get to I, that. I'm, I'm going to actually call you just to talk about that. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> oh. It's a two-hour special now. Anyway, yeah. you take care. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thank you again. Appreciate it. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Well, that's our show for today. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on and sharing their insights and invite you to tune in next week when, once again, we'll be talking to the movers and shakers in the world of cannabis, uh, keeping you up to date with what's happening in one of the most dynamic retail industries in North America. So until next week, be well. 
And this has been The Business of Cats. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.